Welcome to the So Lux Life Podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at soulluxlife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. Hey, hello, and welcome to the So Lux Life podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. It is October, and many of you know it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I'm bringing on some domestic violence victims and survivors to kind of share their story and tell how they got over it. So we can help young women or men that may be going through the same things because men can be abused as well. But today we have Sherry Simmons. She's from New York. I'm so excited to speak with her. So Sherry, tell us a little bit about yourself. So as you mentioned, my name is Sherry. I'm from New York City and I'm the founder of Uh, my company from pain to purpose and what I do is I help people turn all that pain that they have into purpose so I always educate people that there's a reason that we go through the Mm. things that we go through is not in vain and you need to use all that energy instead of being negative turn into positive (laughs) which is comes out into being a part of your purpose everything that goes that we happen to it's a part of our purpose and people yeah. don't understand that I had to go through stuff to understand that yes so, I definitely that's a, that as well and I found my biggest strengths through me going through things that were painful or things I never thought that I would be able to get through but it actually made me a stronger and yeah. better person so right. um Can you kind of walk us through your experience with domestic violence, kind of what happened and at what point did you realize, you know, that it wasn't right and you wanted to free yourself from that? Um, So I was uh, 21 when I met this person. Um, Just coming out of a a relationship, a bad relationship experience and just meeting someone and it was just like, you know, a Prince Charming that just said the right stuff, did the right things it was just like wow so that only lasted a month so typically in domestic violence situations they don't start with abusing right away mm-hmm. it just starts you know emotional they start verbally saying things and then it just escalates so after a whole month and I started notice you know he was just being moody and just emotionally abusing saying things like um, you know, um, you're, you're stupid. Why are you being so dumb? And I'm like, what? <laughs> but at that age, I, and I, my age had a lot to do with it. And I was just so naive to the point, just like, I didn't understand what domestic violence was. I never seen it. Um, I never saw my, nobody hit my mom. Um, so I didn't know what, the, what it was. So after all, you know, emotionally abusing with all the name calling, then it was the kicking and the pushing. And I'm like, but it wasn't, not to excuse, but it was like, he didn't, I, I'm thinking in my head, it was like, you kicked me, but you didn't kick me to hurt me. You didn't break nothing, so it's okay in my head. Oh, so um, you were like making excuses for right. it in your head. So I'm like, okay, you know, 
I don't have a black guy, so I'm okay. Nobody can see, you know, just making those little excuses for it. But it still wasn't right. Um, and it just escalated from there. We moved in together. We got a dog. And, you know, he, I, you know, I had a job and he put the dog in the microwave. Um, he put the dog in the microwave? Yeah, he put the dog in the microwave because he wanted me to do something and I didn't want to do it. You know, being tired, coming home from work, go do this. I was like, I don't feel like doing that. He put the dog in the microwave and had his hand at the button, you know, to cook something. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you? <laughs> he was like, well, go do what I told you to do. So I'm in my mind like, I'm just going to do what you said to do because I don't want you doing that to my dog. So I just did what he said, take the dog out, you know. And I was just like, what is going on here? Um, but by that time, I was I didn't know, but I was actually pregnant. And I was like, when I did find out I was pregnant, I was like, if he could do this to the dog, imagine a baby. Oh, wow. And that was when, that was when I just, you know – being pregnant for the first time, being isolated. I was isolated from my parent, my family, my friends. I was all about myself. And I was like, that's when I had a wake-up call. Because now, you know, when you're pregnant, it's not you. It's Mm-mm. a baby that you got to think about. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. So, you know, I made the, the painful decision to terminate my pregnancy Mm-hmm. More for myself because I was like, first of all, I don't want to be stuck with you for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. And then I was just like, I don't ever want to go to work or just go somewhere and just um, think that you're hurting my baby. So I was like, I just did that. And it was just, oh, you know, that was like 14 years ago. But, you know, it, you still don't forget that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so did he know you were pregnant? Did he ever know? And that was something you all he knew. He knew, but he had made the comment. I, he was mad one day. He made the comment, well, I don't want you or the baby. And I'm just like, well, what am I supposed to do now? It's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had made the comment, but he and his, later on he said, I wasn't serious. I was like, well, you might have than that I was when I made the decision. Like, I'm not doing that. We're not bringing a baby into this situation where I'm already afraid to do something wrong and you hitting on me. So imagine a baby. Yeah, he'll take his anger out um, of baby. So, you know, even though that happened, I still stayed there because I didn't have any um, nowhere to go. Like, my parents didn't know. They probably still don't know. <laughs> I didn't tell my parents. Um, I wrote books. I'm an author, so I did write books about it. I don't think they read them. Hmm. So it was out there to the masses to, to know. But I don't think my parents know. Recently, I made a Facebook post about it. So me and my sister, we just became friends. I didn't have my family as friends before because of all the stuff I posted. So I have my sister now. And she's, um, she had liked my post about the whole, I'm writing a memoir. So I put a snippet of it. And then after I posted, I was like, oh, my sister. <laughs> but she's seen it already. <laughs> so she saw it already. And she didn't say anything, but I'm, I'm 
I'm like, she probably knows who it is. Eh, at least, you know, I'm doing it for my own, you know, healing. And it's just therapeutic for me. So writing was a way for you to kind of heal from the um, emotional abuse from it? Yeah. And, you know, just telling my story. And I didn't realize that, you know, when you're in something, you don't realize that other people are in it too. Mm -hmm. You just think, oh, I'm by myself. And I didn't realize that by sharing my story, there are people that, you know, me too. I went through that too. I'm still going through that. How did you get I didn't realize that that was going on. So now I have all these people, you know, how did you do it? And they want, they want the courage to do it too. And it's just like, like wow, that's so amazing. Um, but, you know, when you stay in that situation, eventually things escalate. They don't get better. So that's one thing. Whoever's listening, I don't want you to know things do not. Most likely do not get better. They just escalate. And things escalated so bad to the point I almost lost my life. He almost killed me. Wow. Um, so I, people that are listening, I just want you guys to know that it's not healthy. You don't have to stay there. Um, you have options, and you don't want your family to remember your last memory of that situation. You just don't. Um, I almost died at the hands of someone else because he, it was Christmas 2006 mm-hmm. and he, his nephew, his nephew is my godson. So I went to go visit the family and I was leaving and he's like, oh, where are you going to go see your boyfriend? I was like, I'm going home. So he closed the door and he pulled up this, like one of these hunting knives and he's like, well, no, you're not. And I was like, couldn't go out the window. The, the window was locked. Couldn't go out, couldn't push past him. And I'm like, um. And then he started punching me. He cut me. And I was, at that time, 108 pounds. I'm five foot two. Um, so he kept punching me like a punching bag. He so had how big was he? He was six foot something about 215 so that's really compared to me big right like huge mm-hmm. and i was like oh i know how punching back feels i feel bad for the bag punching back i know how it feels um that's not a nice feeling and um he just picked me up and threw me in the cab after that all of that and i was just all out of sorts and i didn't know what was going on in my head at that moment, I just wanted to lay, like, go to bed. Um, so I ended up having fractured rib. My ribs are fractured. Oh. And being that little, you know, when you're so tiny, it's just like I couldn't breathe. I had to stop working. I couldn't do anything. And that was the moment that I said, you know, this is, this is, I'm done. <laughs> you know, God spared my life. You know, when God spared your life from a situation, that's something that you don't go back to. Because oh. it could have went the other way. It, it really could have went the other way. And I'm like, you know what? 
sometimes, and I'm a firm believer that when, when, you know, when God takes things away from us and we keep going back there, things, drastically things have to happen to us to make us understand, get it through your head. You're not supposed to be there. Oh my God. You're not supposed to do that. Um, and that's just the lessons that some of us, we, you know, they say learn the hard way. I learned the hard way that these people that do this abusing, they don't stop. They don't change. They have their own issues that are above those of us that I have a very nurturing spirit. I love, I nurture people. I always want to help people, but there are some people that have issues that are above. I can't help them. I can't save them. And I had to learn that you, uh, you can't save everybody. You cannot help them. And that, that's the mistake that a lot of women make when they say, oh, um, I could change him. All I got to do is do this and he'll be, no, no. He, he or she, because women do it too, they have to deal with their own issues on their own with uh, sometimes even a medical professional because the issues are bigger than us. Um. We we see and hear it all the time. I live in New York City, and it's just recently, so many stories of people. You know, they killing they kill the partner, and then they kill themselves. And like, it's crazy how how you hear about stuff like that. Just want your listeners to know that you know, it it's you know stuff doesn't in those situations most likely will not get better. Um, but um, when we talk about domestic violence, most people they don't talk about the aftermath. What happens after? So after I left that person, it's not that I just picked up myself up off the ground and I was back to work and back to myself. No, that it doesn't work like that. I went through a whole thing of depression, a whole thing of suicidal thoughts, a whole um addiction to I have fractured my ribs they gave me oxycodone I got addicted to that then it went from prescription drugs to recreational drugs because I felt my whole self-esteem was just stripped away by someone telling me I'm stupid I'm ugly I'm never gonna be all these things um didn't have any money didn't have anything he didn't want me to go to school and I really wanted to so I just was totally done um, so of course, reckless behavior, because now I don't care about life at all. I didn't have any children. I don't, no one cares about me. So I thought, I didn't know that people did care, but the reason why I thought like that is because I didn't tell them mm-hmm. what happened. I didn't share. So nobody knew all the trauma that I experienced. So in my head, it's like, they don't, they don't care about me. They did, but I never shared. So now the certain new certain people that now that I that I share with the masses, they're like, Well, why you didn't tell me? But when you know when you're in it, you're not thinking about everybody else. You're just thinking, I'm in this, I'm by myself. And that's what you're thinking about. And a lot of times you're embarrassed and you really yeah. don't want to say anything because people are gonna be like, just leave. Well, sometimes yeah. it's not that easy to just leave, especially you have emotions and feelings involved. I think for me, it was, and I, I, I say it in my memoir, I said, you know, 
how can I tell somebody what this what I got into when I don't even know what I'm in got into? What is this called? Cause remember, it didn't have a name before. Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up, domestic violence did not have a name. There was always well, what goes on in the house stays in the house. You're not supposed to. So, what is this called? Mm-hmm. It it has a name now, but when I was growing up. What is I don't know what this is. So I think it's really important that we keep the conversations going so that our younger children know what it is and that's like they don't get caught into something that what is this? How do I get in this? Like questioning themselves. Yeah, because a lot of times with domestic Mm -hmm. abuse, women tend to blame themselves for what's happening. They make excuses for the man, but anybody out there listening know that it's not your fault. No matter how they might try to turn it on you, know that it's not you. So losing everything was about me, you know, the loss of the baby, the lo- I lost my hair, my hair was falling out. Um, I'm only I'm only twenty-two and I'm losing my hair. I lost a lot of weight. Um five foot two, hundred and eight pounds is really thin. Um, no job, no school. No, nothing. Um, I had a place to live because I was living with, I moved back with my friend I was staying with. Um, but other than that, I didn't have anything. Um, no friends, no family. So that's what losing everything means, you know. And then all of my belongings, you know. Whatever I couldn't take with me when I left the final time, it was there stayed at the house so I lost that so I always say you know when you lose everything and you're able to get it back you know you have to help other people and that's why I you know do a lot of speaking engagements just to make sure that people are educated they understand and they know that this is not a joke and I was 22 years old thinking you know what most of us do we think at 18 17 16 years old it's cute when a guy always asking, well, where are you going? He wants to check your phone. That is not cute at all. <laughs> that is very controlling. But that's what I thought. And I see a lot of girls, oh, that's so cute. He hit me. He, no, he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care in the way that we think he cares because he's asking you where you are. No, that's control. Control and possession. Right. That's not cute when he tells you you can't wear that, you can't go there, you can't hang out with this one. Those those things are not cute. Um, so and I thought that way too, but I had to get it through my head, you know, that is not, you know. Um, so that's what you know when you lose everything. I now I feel like this. If I'm if I'm gonna lose everything that I ever had in my life. I want to be the one to cause the loss, not somebody else. So that's how I feel now. So I'm, I refuse at this point in my life right now, I'm not going to let anybody take things away from me. Mm-hmm. But I had to learn, you know, the hard way. Um, domestic violence is a very slippery slope of um, gray areas. Because some people seem to think that, you know, you got to walk around with black eyes 
and wear sunglasses and stuff. I never did that. I never had to wear glasses or um, put on makeup to cover up stuff. I got hit in places that if I never showed you, um, places that I had to show you because they were invisible. So right. it's not always, you can always tell who's being abused. There's also financial abuse. People, um, um, I know, just recently met a woman, she's being financially abused. And she's, she's afraid. She says she's afraid to leave the person because then she'll have nothing. That's domestic violence. It is. Um, and the definition of domestic violence is for people that are in a relationship. So it's not just partners. It's also parent-child relationships, too. So your, our parents can um, commit domestic violence against children. Children can do it to their parents. It's the, the relationship that the people have. Parent, child, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. So it's not just what we think or what we see, a man abusing a, a woman. It's not just that. Yeah, because that's the first picture that comes to hand. I never really actually thought of it like that with like family and parents and things like that. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's family. As some of the first teachers of some of the first teachers of domestic violence are in their family. We some people they you know they see their father beat their mother and they think it's okay. Girls see their mom getting beat up and oh, that's okay. You're supposed to stick around because my mom did. She never left or I saw my dad do it, so it must be okay. And right. you need to realize that it's not. No one should ever abuse you in any right. kind of way, mentally, physically, emotionally, sexually. None of that is never okay. So when you finally got the courage to leave, when you just say like, okay, enough is enough. I'm leaving. I'm getting my stuff. I'm getting out of here. Did he know you were leaving or did it catch him by a surprise or he just got home and you were gone one day and like never looked back? He knew that I was leaving. Um, a friend came, she helped me get my stuff. So of course you're not gonna act up in front of people. So he just say, okay, you wanna go, then go. But he didn't mean that because once I left, it was constant calls from private numbers, all these numbers. I know where you live at, I'm gonna get your family, I'm gonna do this. And it was, it's just like you're stalking, but I was afraid. And that's, I think that's one of my, one of my regrets in life that I did not have the courage to report mm-hmm. what happened to me. Um, so I applaud people that actually have the courage to go to the police and actually go through with it. I did not. Um, and I, the only reason I did not was because he's threatened my family. Um, he said he's going to kill my family. He said, you know, he said all these things to me. And now I was at the point where it's not about me now. And I don't want to have anybody hurt because of me. Yeah. So I just kept it to myself. Um, he came to the house I was staying. He sent a girl. So the girl came to the house that I was staying at. And she was trying to fight me. Hmm. Not knowing that I'm in a house, there's not it's not my house. So she's not gonna somebody else's house, and you know I open the door, but you know they're there, and they're like, "Well, what are you doing here?" So she was like, "Ready to fight me in somebody else's house." That didn't happen, of course. 
but it was just a joy. <laughs> like, how you come to somebody else's house? <laughs> but it was just, I was just like, you know what? Eventually, he just stopped and faded away. But it was like six months of torture where I didn't go outside because I'm like, Mom. I don't want to go outside. I don't want to see him. I don't want to hear from him. Basically so, scared to live your life because of the trauma this yeah, I was put you through. Yeah, wow, I was so really, um, and then after that, it was just, I don't trust people. Um, so later on, I had all these things going on, depression. I started going to therapy because I was literally like, felt like I was out of my mind. So she said, you're not crazy. You have PTSD. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> you know, PTSD be associated with soldiers. Like the army, right? right. I was like, what? I was like, no way. She was like, yes, it's post traumatic stress disorder. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? She said, it comes from when you go through a traumatic experience. So even someone that's been in a car accident or like an event like 9 11, they can develop PTSD too. I was like, what? So, because of that, she helped me to understand that, you know, there are things that can trigger you. So I had to really learn that I'm easily triggered by being in a situation with a man that I don't know by myself, like an elevator situation. Oh, yeah. It's a, something innocent. We're supposed to be riding the elevator. But for me, it puts me into that space that I'm in the room with this person. And he's punching me. So I try to avoid those situations. Um, I don't like, you know, men being behind me. I don't like strange men touching me. Um, I don't like to be in any enclosed space with a man. Uh, I don't like to sleep. Like, when I sleep, my door has to be open. I don't like closed doors. Um, so I had to learn all these things. Because, you know, people don't know your triggers. And if you don't know them, then any little thing will trigger you Mm -hmm. um so when she told me you're not crazy I was like oh thank you Jesus because (laughs) you you literally feel like you're out of your mind like what is going on and she explained this to me I was like oh so there's a name for this um so there's a lot of people walking around with PTSD and they don't know um so I just wanted to put that out there you know you know Therapy is not a bad thing. It's really not. Um, and sometimes, you know, we we just need to go to these objective people that don't know us that can tell us, you know, well, this is what that's called and put a name to it. It's and nice to know that this understand. Right. And there's a name for this. And this is what causes this. And these are your triggers. And understanding what my triggers are helps me avoid certain situations. So what now I gotta wait for the next elevator, but I'd rather wait for the next elevator than be in that elevator with this person and something goes left. Right. You just kinda snap out or you just kinda right. get in an emotional state where you really can't control and might start having a panic attack and things like that. And people don't realize uh-huh. I had another young lady on the podcast, she had been sexually abused and she said she suffered from PTSD from that and that was kind of when I first learned that that was actually a thing that people actually develop this syndrome for being 
traumatized or going through different events in their life. So how do you really cope with it on a day-to-day basis at this point? Now, now that you're really over it, like how Uh life for you now being on the other side? Yep. Um, so now I am at the point where I'm very, you know, comfortable sharing what happened to me. Um, very comfortable because there's a lot of things that go to with it too. There's also the mental illness stigma. People that have PTSD that's part of the mental, a mental health issue. So there's that stigma is there. Then there's also the stigma that just because you went through um, domestic violence that you're, I don't like the word victim. So when people say that, I don't like that. Um, when you can survive the, the most horrific things, and some people have been in more horrific things than me, I, want, I deserve the title survivor, not victim. Right. Because you know, I, I survived that and I'm not dwelling on and I'm able you know I overcame that um so coping I because I have PTSD on top of depression and anxiety I choose I chose to do to do medication that was what I had to do for myself Mm -hmm. um I have children now and I want to be in the most you know secure place mentally. So that was my decision to do. Um, and I still continue with therapy. Um, writing books is one thing that's really been helpful. And speaking to people, like on podcasts or in conferences and stuff like that. Um, and just sharing and understanding that, you know, it's my story. Of course, people are going to have their own perspectives and opinions of it but they weren't there and this is what happened to me and I'm not gonna let anybody take it away mm. or try to help it for me so wow. I did it and we did a, um, a little women's empowerment and you know I wrote a book I wrote several books so I just I said you know I'm not going to sit here and let people tell my story. I wrote it already, so I'm telling you my story. I'm going to tell it to you. You don't tell it to me. Wow. So where so, can we find your books? Where can we find them? So I have a website. It's consult with Sherry, S-H-E-R-I dot com. So I have my books up there. Um, I'm writing my memoir. It's called You Know My Name, Not My Story. Um. I plan to finish it next month. Um, so I'm just want to continue writing, sharing, and just. I'm also part of um, a nonprofit organization called We Are Phenomenal Women. I just started with them this year, and they do a lot of um, work in the communities, um, a lot of speaking engagement. I facilitate their workshops. So we do the self, self-care, self-harm, PTSD workshops, and different types of workshops. 
um, just to have women come together um, like a support group. So I'm a part of that, and that's been really helpful for me. I love that. And I really, really appreciate you sharing your story with our listeners on the So Lux Life podcast. Do you have any last words for any survivors out there, anybody dealing with domestic violence? Just any last words for them? Um, if you are in a domestic violence situation, just know that there are resources that you can, that are available to you. Um, and if you know that you're ready to leave, then before you leave, just make a plan, strategize. You can't, you cannot leave without a plan. Um, so make sure you have a plan, strategize it, and then make your exit. Don't try to leave without a plan. Um, so all the survivors, I'm right here with you guys. I just want to thank everyone for listening and, you know, allow, and thank you for allowing me to share my story. organization called We Are Phenomenal Women. I just started with them this year and they do a lot of um, work in the communities, um, a lot of speaking engagement. I facilitate their workshop. So we do those self, self-care, self-harm, PTSD workshops, and different types of workshops. Um, just to have women come together um, like a support group. I'm a part of that, and that's been really helpful for me. I love that, and I really, really appreciate you sharing your story with our listeners on the So Lux Life podcast. Do you have any last words for any survivors out there, anybody dealing with domestic violence, just any last words for them? Um, If you are in a domestic violence situation, just know that there are resources that you can, that are available to you. Um, 
And if you know that you're ready to leave, then before you leave, just make a plan, strategize. You can't, you cannot leave without a plan. Um, so make sure you have a plan, strategize it, and then make your exit. Don't try to leave without a plan. Um, so all the survivors, I'm right here with you guys. And, you know, um, I just want to thank everyone for listening and, you know, allow, and thank you for allowing me to share my story. Oh, of course. It's my pleasure. I'm actually very honored that you came. It's so grateful. <laughs> Thank you. All right.